Welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host, Davey, a.k.a. Davey on the Run, a running enthusiast, influencer, and marathoner, and I love everything about running. As passionate runners, we look to use our knowledge and draw on past experiences to provide you with cutting-edge science and insightful information. We are going to be unpacking the fascinating topic of running with all stars, subject matter experts, and everyday enthusiasts to not only help you improve your running, but also ensure that you experience maximum joy with every step that lies ahead in your journey, wherever that may take you. This is how runners are made. It's how runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You mentioned that you have a, a mental health coach. Yes, 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 I've I mean, got one. He's really improved my running by margins. I believe that long distance running, it's a, it's a, it's a mental game. I, I, sorry, I need a GPS watch mm. for my long runs because I find that it puts me under pressure. And even when I'm tired, I end up trying to meet that target. Yet my body speaks to me and I'm not listening to my body. I always say running is logic. Because your body speaks to you and it's up to you if you want to listen or not. Yeah, so for me, the first half, I tried to pace myself. Then, I mean, the last quarter of the race, I ran with my heart. Before getting on to today's conversation, we wouldn't be able to bring you our Making a Runner podcast without the support of our valued sponsors. This episode is proudly brought to you by On The Move. The four bros have been a big supporter of the work I do within the community and they always aim to bring you the finest quality sports, health and lifestyle products to help you achieve and maintain all your desired health and fitness objectives. One of these products I am personally a big fan of is On Running. This sports apparel brand offers Swiss excellence both in quality and performance and has enjoyed key international design and technology awards. Even though when it comes to running shoes, my advice to my clients is always to go on what makes them feel most comfortable, I can guarantee that whether you get yourself into a pair of on shoes for daily life, work or casual purposes, you will not regret it. The shoe is extremely comfortable, stylish and is my go-to for these long hours spent on my feet, especially at work. Make sure to check them out at onthemovestore.com or simply pop into one of their stores in Durban, Joburg or Cape Town. This is a top tip from me to you. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Davey. Nicola Akampora. How are you, my race winner? Race winner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm hurting, bro. I'm hurting. So Davey and I took part in the North Coast Ultra this weekend, and it's finally happened. We we have made it big. <laughs> podium. Podium finishes. Davey won the race. Can you believe it, guys? He came with one pack of sweets, didn't even use it, and won. Well, you don't need to bring any nutrition when your coach is running with you because Nick just handed me everything I needed. I got salami sticks, I got dried apricot, yeah. I got sweets. Hey, I, got... I was just handing, I could have handed poison to him and you would have taken it at any stage. I also got a, would have got lost if I wasn't with you. So Yeah, so Davey out. was not prepped. He has no directional skills, but despite his differences, <laughs> he still won. won the race. And I think that's a nice intro to today's podcast because despite your differences in life, there's no reason that should be holding you back. Absolutely nothing. Prodigal Kumala. Prodigal Kumala. I think this is one that we've been very much looking forward to, a local legend in South Africa and pretty much a, a running uh, hero in Durban. Prodigal is actually in studio with us. I think he's yeah. about to walk yeah, in. Yeah, he's going to be here soon, but Prodigal Prodigal's a two times comrades winner. Uh, gold medalist. Prodigal's a two times comrades gold medalist. And a two times UTCT winner. That's it. That's it. He's a coach to some, some of the finest elite athletes in the country. And he's the founder of the Orcas Running Academy. And I think what's uh, very interesting about Prodigal's story is the fact that he is roadrunner turned trail runner. He hasn't had what you would define a normal running career. Um, he started quite late in his journey. And yeah, pretty much digressed from road running and he's absolutely smashing the trail scene. So I'm very excited to hear all about that story. Um, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about grassroots to elite level running with Mr. Kumalo. Prodigal, thank you so much for coming in studio with us today. If uh, For those of you listening to the show, Prodigal's just come off a two-hour 33 marathon yesterday. So he walked in 
pretty <laughs> pretty fast into the studio. I was quite impressed, actually. His legs clearly aren't very sore. And he drove here. I remember after my first uh, subsidy marathon, I couldn't drive for like a, a whole week. But he's been doing this for a while. Prodigal, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, um been running for quite a long time now. I started running in 1999. I was 18 years old. Uh, I'd say I came to running by accident. I used to play soccer and um, I broke my wrist. Then my best friend was a runner and he said to me, because now you are dressed from soccer, you can come join me. So that's how I started. My friend was a sprinter and I tried to sprint. I realized that no, I can't sprint. I said to him, so carry on sprinting. I'll just do some laps, you know. <laughs> then uh, he introduced me to a coach. Yeah, then yeah, the rest is history. So that's when you realized you had you had a talent. And and eighteen is quite uh, quite old. Well, when I say old, I mean late to start. It's late to start and then turn in, out to be a, a elite athlete. Hundred percent, I agree with you. But because of soccer, I think the background from soccer it really helped uh, because I've been active all of my life. Yeah. And uh, I never made a lot of mistakes. It only took me six months training by myself. Then after that, I was under guidance of a coach. And that really plays a big role for me. That's quite interesting that soccer was your, your entry sort of route. Because I also, I used to play, I only used to play football. That's all I did. And then I moved up here and there was hardly anywhere to play because I was always in Durban. Yeah. And then I just, that's how I picked up uh, some running shoes and started running. Sure. And I always say that that background, even in soccer, I used to feel like I was I was always the fittest guy on my team. Yeah. But uh, I never really got into the enjoyment of running until you actually start. And my thing was also an injury, so I can completely mm. relate to that. But you, you're originally from Zimbabwe, aren't you? Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, I was born in Bulawayo uh, in 1982, and uh, I moved up here in 2004. 2004? And, yeah. and why Durban? Well, uh, because Devon obviously has got the best weather for running. So, yeah, <laughs> I really love Devon, yeah. And, and did you ever consider Joburg for the altitude? Yeah, when I came, I, I, did, I did best in Pretoria West, training okay. there at the camp. There was a club called Harmony Gold. Okay. So, they had a training camp. So, I trained there a bit with them. And we used to race in Joburg as well. Then, yes, eventually I had to move to Devon. So, do you find that starting your journey late, your your running career late, is actually an asset allowing you to still now run at top level at, what, the age of 40 now? Do you think that's a, that's the case? Because you started late, you can go a little bit later. Yeah, yeah to give you an idea, most of my runners in my academy, I, I deal with youth from 17 going upwards because I realized that uh, the runners that start from that age they know exactly what they want. So that's why I don't really deal with under 15 because sometimes some runners, they're forced by the parents to run. Mm. But at 17, 18, yeah, you know exactly that you want to run. Yeah. So I always relate that to how I started because I know that, you know, this is the decision that I want to make. I want to run. I'm not forced by anybody. And, yeah. and the, um, when, you, when you talk about the academy, you're talking about your Orcas Running Academy? Yes, yes, it's correct. Yeah. So just tell us a bit about Orcas and why you started that, because you are the founding member of Orcas Running Academy, correct? Yes, it's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So the Orcas started in 2018. So it's four years now. It's been a dream to say I want to pass on the skill. Um, cause when I started, obviously I never had good resources. I used to run barefoot and yeah, so I was really motivated to say, you know, in the townships, most, there's a lot of talent and, mm. uh, most runners, they, they don't have coaching and they don't have the resources. So I was really motivated by that to start the academy. So 2018, we started the academy and, um, we formed up a committee that's going to run the organization. It's actually a foundation. It's called uh, Prodigal Kumara Foundation. And Ocas is under that foundation. So we, we actually do a lot beside running. We teach them the skills, you know, like an Oka, because an Oka passes the skill oh. to, to, to the next generation. So that's okay. why the name come. Ocas. Very cool, Prodigal. And I mean, how do you go about identifying this talent? Because I'm, I'm a big believer that there's so much untapped potential in this country. And I mean, I know that your, the canopy is in Inanda, is it not? Correct. So, and I'm, I'm very interested in what you're saying because I, I'm finding the same thing with, especially this North Coast region, Shockers Kral, all of this region up here. I, f- I feel like there's, there's so much hidden talent, uh, where individuals don't even know the gift that they have born with. How do you go about identifying? it and realizing that that's a runner that's got very high potential and then 
how do you go from there to turning them into a runner? Yeah, well, that's a good question. If you look at my club, when we started, uh, we really attracted over 100 runners. I think we were one of the fastest, uh, it was one of the fast growing, I mean, teams in the country uh, because everyone wanted to be trained by me. Mm. I mean, most of the runners, mm. I, I wouldn't say everybody. So I, I end up having the main group, the main group, which consists of 15 runners. So those are like really potential runners. And half of them, I've really picked them up in races myself. So I'll go to a race, then I'll pick up a runner myself. And I think maybe you know that we got an, a building, an academy mm. training camp. Then I'll talk to them and take them to the camp so that I can really monitor them. Then the rest of the group, they have to run certain time to be in that 15. But every year I only deal with that main 15. Sure. And I've got three other coaches that help me because I'm the head coach. Mm-hmm. But I've got three other coaches that deals with them. I mean, the, 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 the younger runners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As I said to you, I specialize in the youth. Yeah. But we also got 14 year old, but I, I don't specialize in that. I've got coaches that do that for that. you. Yeah. So most of the, the runners, I've picked them up myself in, in the races. And right. you have certain times that you're wanting them to hit in order to remain in that sort of top 15 and a cert, sort of progression plan that you'd like to see. And uh, that, how did the runners deal with that? I mean, there must be yeah. some some pressure behind yeah. that as well. Sounds like a very you know, high pressure environment. Mm. But obviously, I mean, you're looking for very talented runners. So, mm. I mean, what, what what is it that you look, you know, time-wise, say 42K, 21K? Yeah, yeah correct. Uh, so, I, my, my times are normally based on 10 kilometers. So, if you're 18-year-old, you must be able to run under 34 minutes. You know, without proper training, it shows mm-hmm. that you got the talent. Okay. Then we can train you to run maybe 30 minutes or 31. Which is, what, what is your PB for 10? Just under 30, yeah? Yeah, I've run, I've run 29. Yeah, 29. Don't pretend change. like you didn't research that this <laughs> I did research. I did do some research. Of course, you need to do some research. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I'll get in, I want to chat to you a lot of, a lot more about your running as well, but I'm really enjoying what this conversation is going with the Orcas Academy. And I think in terms of, the youth of today and the potential that, I mean, running as to, to change people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as it's done exactly to you, yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of difficulties in this country in trying to develop talent. Obviously funding is a big aspect of it. How do you go about, do you, you obviously have sponsors. I know you did a couple of fundraising runs and all that. Just chat to us a little bit more about how you go about supporting this academy of yours. Yeah, no, when we started, obviously it was a big challenge because most uh, sponsors nowadays, they want, uh, I mean, a ready product. Yeah. You know, yeah. they always say, we're going to give you this, what you're going to give us. So that's why uh, the development is dying because no one is really interested in grooming an athlete. Yeah, they don't want to take the risk. Yeah, 100%. So they want to get someone who's already there and running the good times. So I, I had to convince my sponsors to say, uh, please, can you come on board and just meet me halfway? This is what I'm doing. And uh, companies like Hollywood Bets, uh, Bonagute, they've come on board, but it was just a once-off, I mean, sponsorship. But we, at the m- moment, we're looking at getting someone who can say, guys, I can commit to you for two, three years. Uh, that's what we're looking at. But yeah, at the moment, Hollywood Bets, they always support our our projects that mm-hmm. we do because every year I have a project that I run. And in, in terms of the academy, so you've got you've got the runners there, you've got facilities for the runners to uh, stay at, you've got coaches. What else do you have as part of the academy? Do you have strength and conditioning? Do you have rehabilitation? Is that all part that uh, your runners get access to as well? Yeah, those are the things we're working on at the moment. But we, as I said, there are few individuals that are supporting us. Mm. There's Shamim Khan, physiotherapist. They support all my runners when they got injuries and they treat them for free. Yeah, that's all for now. But yeah, going forward, obviously, we're looking at building up a small gym, which is our challenge, and transport to taking runners to the races. This is our challenge. Transport, yeah. yeah and, and Nick's background is, um, he's a bio by trade. So... Nick, Nick believes, you know, quite heavily in strength and conditioning and, and getting strong as part of running. Um, so is that something that you, you think that your runners could potentially be missing out on because of a lack of funding or because of a lack of opportunity to get into gym and in front of bios? Do you think it will make a big difference for those runners? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because as a professional runner, 
you're going to have to do everything right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for them, obviously, they're missing that part. And I, I personally believe in that. I go to the gym myself, and it has done so much wonders in my running. So I believe that they really need it. Oh, well, if, they, if there's any uh, buyers out there listening that, that wants to get involved and to the Orcas yeah, Academy, yeah, this I would think, be a... I think we can have a conversation off air, the two of us. I'm not looking at Nick, <laughs> but I'm just saying, nah, anybody. No, that would be, that would be <laughs> awesome. I'd love, to, I'd love to come take a look and, and see how the runners are doing that. So yeah. we can definitely have this conversation. On the top of what you're saying, you know, it's, it's a game of small percentages when it comes to that that elite level, that top level. Hmm. And I, I'm a firm believer that just someone that has a good plan, that that's the major starting point. If you take someone, an athlete that's got no plan and is just running haphazardly, you put them on a solid plan. It doesn't have to be anything fantastic, but the moment they've got structure, they're going to start to see massive improvement. But then yes. thereafter, once you get to that element, it's, you know, the nutrition is that 1%, that strength is the 1%, yeah. the management, all of it adds up. So if you've got all those pods working together, essentially, that's how you make an elite runner, right? Yeah, correct, correct, yeah. You're going to have to do everything right, yeah. So, yeah, we, we can certainly have a have a chat about that. I'd love to get a little bit more involved and hear a little bit more about it. I, I've got a question for you, Prodigal, in terms of your, you know, you are an elite runner yourself still. You, yeah. You're still competing at a very high level. Yeah. And we'll chat about your goals and aspiration later in the show. Yeah. But how do you go about managing all of these these expectations from your athletes, from your sponsors, uh, your own personal aspirations of achieving certain goals. There's a lot of stuff that goes into there. And, yeah. you know, the ultra trail distance running, which is what you would say specialize in, takes yeah. a hell of a lot of time to train. How do you do it? Uh, I mean, also on that on that note, I mean, you're a roadie to trail runner. Yeah. That, that, that's, a, that, that's a story in itself, correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of unsung heroes I mean, behind my career. I know most people, they see you running, they think you do everything by yourself. Yeah. Yes, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to be disciplined, but you, you, you really need some other people to support you. So I've got a PR that runs my sponsorships and stuff. She's in Cape Town. And mm-hmm. then Ms. Mary Ann Shaw, she helps me with that. And um, I've got a coach that helps me with a mental coach. Also, is in Cape Town. Uh, his name is John McGrath. And I've got a coach, uh, I mean, for the gym, a personal trainer, uh, Craig George. So you're going to have to have mm. that team to help you. And for the academy, there is a committee that runs the academy. I'm just a founder, but um, yes, I help to make decisions, but I don't really run, I mean, uh, the academy. There is a lot of people that runs it, I mean, unsung heroes, as yeah. I said. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned that you have a, a mental health coach. Yes, 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 I've I mean, got one. That's, that's huge. It's very interesting because I think a lot of, a lot of runners nowadays also, you know, don't think about that side of things. It's all about physical fitness, getting strong, but also, I mean, as we know, it takes a lot, especially performing at, at high levels, you know, a lot of mental strength. So yeah. has that been something that's um, been a bit of a game changer for you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It is really improved my running by margins. I believe that long distance running, it's a, it's a, it's a mental game. I mean, especially, um, ultra distance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many yeah. times do you think I just want to quit? I thought over the weekend I wanted to quit about five, <laughs> yeah. five, ten times. Yeah, because Davey's way of running ultras is he's going to run at his marathon pace. He's then yeah. going to stop his watch, wait for me to catch up to him. <laughs> sure. He then starts his watch again and keeps going. That's, that's <laughs> Davey's way of doing it. Let's take that offline, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Running long distance, obviously, it's a, it's a mental game. It's about how much you want it. Um, how strong is your mind? You know, you can train as much as you want, but if your mind is not strong, you know, you're not going to get them into the finishing. Same as running comrades. Mm. After 70 Ks, you know, it's about how much you want it. 100%. You've left everything on the road. You know, it's about how much you really want oh. this, you know. And that's, what are, that's goosebumps. Yeah, goosebumps coming coming from this guy. Especially Davey's running his first comrades this year. Yeah. So he he doesn't know yet what it, what is going to come to him at seventy k's, but yeah. I'm sure he's going to think about your words very carefully. How mm. bad do I want? How it? bad yeah. do you want it, David? Correct. Yeah. And other than that, I mean, what other sort of things do you say to yourself 
in in a run like comrades. I mean, I know from my personal experience, I've only done one, but you were crying were, like a baby. I was crying, like <laughs> I cried like seven times every time yeah. I saw Leah or someone and that you know. You just get so emotional. It's such an emotional day because yeah, so much goes into your training, yeah. and the day is just the day. It can be a good yeah. day, it can be a bad day. It's how you see it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. what do you tell yourself when you're going through any sort of hard patch? Yeah, so for me, the first half. I tried to pace myself. Then, I mean, the last quarter of the race, I ran with my heart. Sorry, I just, I just want, I just want to break that down quickly. So, um, your comrade's PB is uh, five thirty nine. Five thirty nine. And when you say pace yourself, your pace at a five thirty nine comrade's is. Uh, I think it's about 344. Yeah. Yes. I just yeah. wanted to put that into context for anybody yeah. listening because yeah. what did you say? Sorry, 340? Three minutes 45. Yeah, that's, okay. that's unbelievable. So when yeah. he's pacing himself, he's doing 350, 355, <laughs> and then he's, when the heart kicks in, oh my that's when he pushes it. No, guys, yeah. I'm sorry. I, that is absolutely nuts. I love that statement though. That last quarter, it's, it's all in the heart, is it? Yeah. Yeah, you run with your heart. I remember my last gold medal. I was cramping. I was finished. Aye. But I said to myself, I really want this. I want to finish. I've trained so hard. Mm. Pain is nothing to what I'm going to get. I want this medal. 100%. I, I, I couldn't see what I was doing. But all I remember was just shuffling going forward. <laughs> that last 15 Ks, yeah. So and it is a mental game. And you have two gold medals. Yes, I've got two. And a gold medal is a top 10 finish. Yes. Unbelievable, eh? Hey? Yeah, and I've missed gold three times. Eh? Three times, but how many I've places? I've three elevens. Three elevens? Yeah. No. She yeah. said. If they're going to have a medal for number 11, <laughs> they must. Lucky number 11. Use my name, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. So, so then what what struck you to go from road running? Because, I mean, I think of Prado Kumalo, I think of Comrades. Yeah. So mm. what, where did that uh, trail running Sad coming. What made you decide? I really enjoy to do different things. You know, sometimes I even cycle. I don't want to do one thing for a long time. Even if I go to a movie, I can't watch a movie for three hours. <laughs> I'm that kind of a person. I so I you. can't. But that, that's why he tries to get his run over at comrades as fast yeah, as he yeah. can because otherwise yeah. it's too long. It's, yeah. it's just a little pointer there. Watch out to all the cyclists. Yeah, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe Prodigal will be at uh, Durban City. Oh, no, he's going to do the Amashova. The Amashova, yeah. Maybe one day. <laughs> during the lockdown, I started pedaling as well. Okay. Hey, yeah. watch out because <laughs> Hank McGregor. Hank McGregor yeah. is coming for you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, when did you start your trail journey. I mean, I, I know that you've done many trails. You've also won quite a few trails and ultra distance races, but you always started off as a, as a road runner. Yeah. So what was your first trail run and, wh- and how was that experience? Well, most of my training, it's off-road. So it didn't take me a lot of time to adapt to trail running. And most of my training, sometimes I even go hiking, even if I'm training for a road race. You know, sometimes I just go out for three <laughs> hours walking in the mountains so it's something that I used to do. Even now, I use, uh, I'm still doing still it. Still use it. And um, half of my training, it's either on the grass or on the gravel roads. So when I came into trail running, obviously it's a different ball game. I had to learn to run fast. I mean, on those rocky, yeah. I mean, in the mountains. So that is still a challenge. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of skill. And, and let yeah. me ask you this. What's, what's more difficult, road running or trail running? It's a sure, very important yeah, question, yeah, eh? Yeah, this is very... Because I think I know the answer. <laughs> I like I like road running because road running's a controlled environment. Yeah. You know what's in front of you. It's mm. it's 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 mapped out. You know, there's going to be very few surprises. Trail running, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, you have to constantly focus on not tripping, falling, the technical turns. I mean, so much can go wrong. So. I have huge respect for trail runners and not just trail runners. I mean, especially ultra distance trail runners, because if you look at the hundred mile distance, I mean, guys are doing it, what, 20 hours upwards. I mean, how much can go wrong in 20 hours? It's yeah, so much. So, so what is your take on it? Road or trail? Yeah, I would say <laughs> every event, it's hard on its own. I mean, yeah. There's some challenges in trail running. There's some challenges in road running. Road running, it's furious. It's fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and trail running, it's hard. <laughs> you know, so it's it is a different, different ballgame. Yeah. 
Para, so I've got respect for all. I mean, the runners. I see, I saw a quote of yours where you, where you said that you do the road running to see how far you can push your body, yeah. but you do the trail running to enjoy, enjoy life. And I, I like that quote because it's, I, I can really relate to it. I love being out in the trails. I love just being out in nature and seeing things. But, you know, like you say, so many things can go wrong on a trail. And also like when you look at a, a ultra distance, like Davey says, a hundred miler, you look at someone that's winning a hundred miler, averaging seven minutes a K, seven and a half minutes a K. And you think, Oh, that's so easy. That guy's like just power walking. <laughs> <Are> you, <laughs> you try to do that for a hundred miles. Sure. It's yeah, beastly. It's, it's yeah. really hectic stuff. So I think both of them are just, they have their own intricacies and right. I just take my hat off to, to anybody. So your, your ultra trail Cape town, your, yeah. your multiple win at ultra trail Cape town. Do you want to tell us a little bit about those races? The first one that you did was 2016, correct? Yes. And yeah. I mean, UTCT is a very competitive field. Notoriously difficult as well. Yeah. Very tough of course. Yeah. And that was the hundred K, correct? Just hundred K. Yeah. Are you, are, would you ever consider that new hundred miler? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the next goal, obviously. Yeah. Okay, we'll chat about that. But yeah. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about this UTCT 100K, your first, your first win there. Yeah, so the UTCT was my first, I mean, longest distance. I mean, even on the road, because I'd never run yeah, 100. 100Ks. That's because so, there's no road races that are, <laughs> that are 100Ks. Yeah, so I went there and I said to myself, I just want to run and finish. So I went out there, I enjoyed myself. On the first one, I never even put so much pressure on me. All I wanted was to finish. Uh, between you and me, I was walking all the hills. <laughs> on my first one, I walked all the hills, I never ran the hills. I was just running after those hills. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just surprised that, that you I won. won the race. Yeah. You won it and that, yeah. the first time. Yeah, but after that, I said, I'm not coming back. And the finishing, they were convincing me, no, you have to come. We want you back. I said, you have yeah, to I'm defend your title. Yeah. You have to but defend inside it. me, I was saying, I'm not coming back. <laughs> because I really suffered at some points. Because uh, the race started at 4 a.m. It was dark riding those mountains. It yeah. was, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, an experience that I have never forget. It was one of the toughest races I've done in my life. Then the second year, they convinced me. I said, okay, let me, let me go again. <laughs> Did and you try run to the prove hills? Myself. Did you run the hills this time? The second time I ran the hills, that's why I broke the time. It's because you had Ryan Sands. It's because you had Ryan Sands chasing you. Yeah. I saw that. I saw a picture of you and Ryan Sands. So you beat Ryan on that. Yes, on the second one. But oh. I've got respect for Ryan because it was my first race running with Ryan. And um, I know most people they underrate uh, trail runners. They think they're slow, as you're saying. Uh, the guy is fast. Yeah. I mean, I have never forget that race, even today. Because it was the rest of my life. Really? The last 10 Ks, I was finished. But when I looked back, there was no one. And uh, my seconding team was telling me that you're 10 minutes ahead. But at the finishing, Ryan Sands was like five, four minutes just behind. (laughs) He was closing the gap. So I've got so much respect for him. So a hundred miler there would have been interesting, huh? hundred miler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a dream um, that I put myself to say when I'm 40 years, I want to do 100 miler. So yeah, I have to do it. Whether so, I win, I mean, even if the time is slow, but I have to do it. So I you, promise myself to do you'll it. You'll probably end up winning it. <laughs> sure, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Which 100 miler are you gunning for? Uh, I'm still looking around. I'll see after comrades how I'm feeling. Okay, so you're doing comrades uh, again? Yes, I'm going to comrades. Uh, uh, I would love to know, because ter- I mean, you're a veteran now. So in terms of comrades, are you um, in competition for first place veteran at comrades? Yeah, something like that. But to give you an idea, now the 40-year-old, they're fast, eh? Yeah. <laughs> They've been training well. It is the fastest, I mean, age group in the country at the moment, because the guys are running under 230. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's insane. It would be nice to, to win, I mean, in, in, in my age category. I'll try my best. And, um, how many, how many kilometers are you roughly running per week? Just out of curiosity for your comrades training. So my training changes now and then. During my peak, which will be July and, and August, I'll be running 280 to 300 per week because it's the only time I have. What? I, I have time to myself. <laughs> Yeah, uh, go to the 280. mountains. 280. 
Yes, 280. In the mountains. To 320. Yeah, because that side, I don't have disturbance. Where do you even find? I'm getting my calculator out. That must be what? 16, 18 hours? 280 divided by 7. 40 Ks a day. Yeah, correct. Yeah. That's the kind of training we do there. I quit. Um, (laughs) What what time are you going for at Conway's this year? Well, I'll, I'll be happy to get a gold again. If I look at my fitness and the time that I just ran, mm. five years ago when I won the Hillcrest Marathon, I ran the same time. So I think I can try to contend for top 10. Wow. That's unbelievable. Yeah. If, if I can't get a gold, then at least try to run under six hours. I'll be very happy. 11th place. I'm very pleased with that. <laughs> yeah, <you> go <laughs> sure. I mean, give, give 11 to someone else. Go, go for number position. 12. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, prodigal! That's that is absolutely insane. And I, I mean, can't wrap my head around that. So you're saying that 280 to 300 k's. Currently, what are you doing now? So in preparation for this marathon. Yeah, what's the uh, deload? Yeah, yeah, at the moment I'm sitting at 150 to 180. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's our peak, Davy. It's fine. We got time. Yeah. <laughs> we got time to catch up to prodigal. No, Nicholas. <laughs> no, 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 no. So I mean, just chatting about that uh, the the long distance running that Prodigal's doing right now, training for his comrades. You know, he mentioned something like two hundred and eighty to three hundred kilometers a week, which just sounds absolutely insane. And even in his his lesser weeks after this marathon, he's he's still sitting at one hundred and fifty plus kilometers. It's mind boggling. It boggles mine and Davy's mind because we're talking about that being sort of our peak, and it just goes to show the difference in levels as yeah. well, the the time commitment that it takes. But something that I find extremely interesting is, again, the emphasis on the, the bulk of the mileage being done easy. So I, I know, I know prodigal, you said in terms of your, your distances, especially in the beginning, you're not really going uh, at a specific time on the longer runs. It's, it's more based on feel. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that and why? Yeah, my training formula is quite different to most of the people I know. Most runners, they like to, I mean, pace themselves in each and every training. Me, I only use my GPS watch maybe twice a week. Uh, I'm still an old school guy. Uh, I use my stopwatch. That's the watch that I use the most because I enjoy my easy runs. So you're not on Strava? I'm not on Strava. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> if Davey only had to use his watch twice a week, I tell you what. What's the point? You uh, wouldn't be able to. And Strava followers, they'll kill him, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Davey's, Davey's watch. So we ran on Saturday, ran the ultra. Davey's watch stopped working on Wednesday. It couldn't charge sure. anymore. Garmin had to send him a watch overnight to arrive on Friday because this guy mad. didn't want to ride the long run without it. What's the point? But yeah. If it's not on Strava, it doesn't count. <laughs> sure. True. I've heard guys saying that, but yeah, anyway. Everyone is different. Yeah. No, I'm no prodigal. Come mm. now. I mean, you're, you're you do not need to be on Strava. Okay, you have nothing to prove. Uh, CV speaks for himself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, most of my runs are easy, but only time I do my quality se- sessions, those are the most important sessions for me. That's where I need a watch. That's where I have to meet the target. That's where I have to go all out. But all my runs are very easy. I run according to how I feel. Sometimes I can run seven minutes. Okay. Yeah, you can't be, you, you, you can't believe it because uh, I just go according to how I'm feeling and all my easy runs are not on the road. Normally I enjoy to run on the grass in the mountains, but just go easy. So my long runs sometimes I just say I want to run three hours. Uh, I don't really worried about what distance I'm going to cover. So I'm just running that three hours easy. If I want to do five hours, I go and run five hours easy. So that's how I train. But closer to my events, that's where I shift the focus. Now I go in, in what I call the fighting zone. So in the fighting zone, now I, I, I want to try to run that time that I've set myself for that race. I want to make sure that mm-hmm. I can run this time. I want to get my, my, my body familiarized with that kind of pace but now i decrease the distance mm. so that i'll be able to run that kind of pace so for example uh the last three weeks four weeks to the race if i'm meant to run four minutes a k uh for that 90 k's so that 40 k's i'm running uh, i must be able to run four, four minutes, minutes a k but yeah. now i'm running on that terrain that i'll be running so if i'm gonna run on the road for example road. i'll be running on the road if i'll be running on the trails yeah I'll be running that kind of pace on the trails, but only the last four to three weeks. But the rest, mm. 
I don't need a stopwatch. Uh, sorry, I don't need a GPS watch mm. for my long runs because I found that it puts me under pressure. And even when I'm tired, I end up trying to meet that target. Yet my body speaks to me and I'm not listening to my body. I always say running is logic because your body speaks to you and it's up to you if you want to listen or not, you know. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I absolutely love that. I think that that point at the end, it's it's so easy, right? It's logical. But so many of us try to complicate it too much. And if you just allow yourself to listen to your body, I think the problem is a lot of people don't know what, what to listen for and that's where the experience comes in and that's why people would reach out to someone like you to chat to you to get coached by you to get an understanding of how to listen to those cues uh, it's, it's a game changer really in your training and 100%. I mean how do you find the, the altitude training in terms of obviously if you're going down to the mountains if you're going up to the mountains you're looking for a little bit of that altitude gain do you find that that gives you some some boost as well yeah yeah, definitely when i go out for training camps it's not only about the altitude yes the altitude plays a big role but also it's about me to be out of the comfort zone because when i'm when i'm at home even if i I really want to train hard there will be something that's going to come on my way so if I go out on, on, on the mountains, uh, it makes me focus yeah, and it makes me realize why I'm here, uh, why I'm training and how much I really want to achieve this. But yeah, uh, altitude training obviously plays mm. a big role in, in, in terms of competing. If you look, the best runners in the world, most of them, they come from, I mean, how altitude places. You look at East African athletes, even the runners that are not best at high altitude they go and train at high altitude so that they can get that benefits because if someone you're going to compete with is training at high altitude and you are not you're at a disadvantage you're going to have to try to match the competition as much as you can as you spoke about the diet as you spoke about the professionalism you're going to have to try to do everything right 70 percent of professional runners in the world they are on eating plan and if you you, you you think you you can't follow that, then you cannot compete because mm. if everybody's doing that, you, you, you're gonna have to do exactly what your competition is doing so that you can compete. Obviously, two or three things you can do it differently, but the rest obviously must be common. Yeah, it's discipline, right? It comes down to discipline. How disciplined are you to following your plan? following your, your meal plan, following uh, your recovery plan. I, w- I want to just chat about your recovery modalities, if there's any things that you do in particular. But just touching on something that you've just mentioned, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. I think those, those athletes in, in Eastern Africa, it's not a very comfortable place to be training in, in general. So yeah. do, you, do, you, do you think that, that pushing out of your comfort zone in your training just makes for better, harder athletes? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And as you mentioned, the East African athletes, and you also mentioned about the discipline. Yeah, all those things, they play a very big role. If you look at those guys, there's a lot we can learn from them. A guy that runs two or five will be training with a guy that's running three hour marathon. Uh, I mean, on long runs, they all train together. There's no one really underrates uh, another runner. I mean, if you look at the teamwork, I mean, the team spirit, it looks like a race when they're training, like 100 guys in the long run. And in South Africa, you don't really find that because most people, they believe that uh, it's an individual sport. Yes, it's an individual sport when you're racing, but everything at the background, it's done as a team. Because at the end of the day, you need someone to push you. You need someone to push you out of your comfort zone. Yeah, There are days where you feel like you don't want to run. If you got a group, you committed to a group, the guys 100%. will be knocking at your door to say, wake up, Dave, we have to go. 100%. I yeah. mean, even even I find myself, you know, at track sessions when I've had like a big week and I arrive at track on a Tuesday and I'm like looking at Nick and I'm like, we're going to take it easy today, kind of. And we like all cave in together. But like you do, you do need, you know, that extra person or that extra group that's going to get you out of that, you know, comfort zone because I, I think when things get hard, we always are trying to search for that base level or that comfort zone and just try and defer to that. But I think that's what separates people that are just going to be like, you know, pretty ordinary and then obviously elite athletes because they are the ones that are willing to actually permanently or not permanently, but be out of their comfort zone for a long period of time to get those results. Correct. Correct. I agree with you. 
And also coaching plays a big role, as you mentioned that Nick, yeah. uh, he plays a big role in your running. Yeah. You know, you, you, you need someone to look after you and tell you what to do. You know, uh, no matter how much disciplined you are, but at some point you need someone to tell you, you have to back off. Like, I, I'm a coach myself, but there are things that I can't do uh, myself. I always tell others, don't do this. Yeah. It comes to me, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to do it. So, yeah, you really need someone to... Keep you accountable. 100% uh, agree. I think that's the biggest thing that I find with a lot of the athletes that I coach, and I'm sure it's the same with you, Prodigal. It's just they just want to bounce that idea off of you just to make sure that they're doing it <laughs> right, you know. Yeah, they're yeah. most likely right, yeah. but they just need that reassurance. reassurance. Correct, yeah. And we need reassurance. <laughs> and in running, uh, most runners, they don't really believe in, in coaching. Uh, that's why most runners, they make mistakes. Because running, it looks like a simple Sport, you just buy running shoes and you think you can just go on the road. Yet there's a lot that you need to know. How you can pace yourself, the program, how you get started. Some, they watch the comrades and from the couch they think next year I can run comrades. Yeah. Yet your body, uh, you're going to have to build your body to run that distance. You know, can take you three, four years until you reach that stage. But you need that kind of professionalism, someone who can guide you to say this is how you can do it mm. to get there yeah and i think that's the real beauty about running is that anybody can es- essentially look at prodigal look watch comrades and be like i want to start running let me get into it and if they just take their time and build up gradually and go through those those years of service that we like to call them yeah i mean anybody can at 30 40 50 pick up a pair of shoes slowly, yep. gradually become a runner and complete comrades. I mean, Correct. there isn't any other sports in the world that you can just pick up and become your best version of yourself at it. And it's, yeah. it's what you put in is what you get out. Correct, yeah. Especially in running, yeah. So, Prodigal, I want to just chat about your, your recovery modalities because obviously in a 200, 250, 300 kilometer week, there's a lot of running involved, a lot of hours oh. spent running. How many hours are you spending recovering it? Would you say that becomes the bulk of your your rest in between your runs. What do you do? Yeah, well, uh, as I said to you, my training changes now and then. It depends with what race I'm training for. But normally I have one day rest. And as we mentioned, the diet, uh, I try to eat a lot of, I mean, protein so that I, I can recover. And um, yeah, and having that day of rest, that's another thing that really helps me. But closer to the race, I try to rest as much as possible, especially my last two weeks leading to any distance more than 42 kilometers. But before then, I, I train so hard. But the last two weeks for me, it's very important. I, I also come back to listen to my body. Some days I don't even train. If I'm feeling not to run, I don't yeah. run, especially those last two weeks. So you mentioned you take one day break. So you ran hook race yesterday? Yes. And you rested today? So after a race, uh, I do run a fat legs 20 minutes. You ran today? I did rain, but uh, I will rest tomorrow. So okay. you're just shaking the legs out shaking today. The legs yeah, out, after yeah. the race, I have to do that fat legs two poles fast, two poles easy for 20 minutes. Okay. And your legs are so, I just like striding, but I have to do that. Active yeah. recovery. I, I, active I found recovery. that. I also did active recovery. recovery this morning yeah, on the bike. Baby, <laughs> yeah, I put sleep. <laughs> Prodigal, your, if you don't mind me asking, in terms of your race day nutrition, Obviously, nutrition is some is a big topic for runners. It's something that I believe can make a huge difference on your race day, especially over an ultra marathon distance. Obviously, there's a lot of trial and error that goes into it. There's, there is science behind it, but at the end of it, it comes down to what you figure out works for your body. Obviously, you've been through through it all. How, how was that process for you, and what are you sort of ending up with nowadays? Let me also quickly tell you what Nick decided to take on his yeah. ultra <laughs> run this weekend. I think there was dried apricots. Yeah. There were some soft gummy bears. Yeah. There was cashew nuts. Yeah. There was salami sticks. A few sure. goos. And then and then he had about nine different types of goose. Yeah. Sure. I was. It's called trying. Do you do you think <laughs> yeah. that that's uh, uh, treating himself too too well? <laughs> Or do you think that's... Yeah, I used to do that. Do you so. have salami sticks on your marathon <laughs> runs? Sure, I, I used to, to do that. I, I mean, most runners, they make that mistakes because everybody panics if there is a race. Uh, you end up taking everything, putting in that bag 
and not eating that because you, you're totally confused. You think you're hungry, you know, so that's why you need a really plan. Uh, if you're going to run, I mean, an ultra distance. Yeah. Since 2017, that's when I really learned about the healthy eating plan from uh, Coach John Hamlet because I've trained under him there in Dowstrom and I really tried it and it worked for me. So ever since then, I've been sticking to some of the things that I've been doing at his camp and there are other things that I changed that obviously didn't work for me. So his diet was more protein and I realized that I was losing weight and um, I realized that I'm going to have to add some some carbohydrates on yeah. my diet. That's really what works for me. But uh, as you said, that um, you know, nutrition plays a big role in terms of your recovery and competing. For me, when I'm racing uh, nowadays, uh, I drink a lot of protein shake. You can't believe it. <laughs> I only take sugar the last quarter of the race. Sure. Because I realized that drinking sugar or coke early stages of the race, it plays with my lactic acid. Uh, I mean, the NH goes up and down. Yeah. And I don't want that. So now I, I, I'm sticking to something that's going to be consistent in terms of my energy levels. So that's why I decided to eat or take protein shakes three quarters of my race. Then the last quarter, that's where... I'll take sugar and I still drink Coke, <laughs> but I, I do dilute it with, with some, some water, water, you know, and I'm sponsored by 32 GI. Sometimes I take the, uh, the, the endurance, okay. but, but only the last quarter when I really need it. Cause as I say, the body speaks to you mm. as well. Don't forget that uh, your body will tell you that now I have to eat. And long time back, I thought eating slows me down. <laughs> I used to run 60 Ks without even eating. Drinking and sprinting, you know, sometimes I leave those tables thinking that it's slowing me down, but I realize that no, it's the other way around because mm. it catches up with you the last stages of the race. So I think a lot of people also nowadays rely on goose quite heavily. So you were mentioning that so you do eat on, say, say Comrades Day, right? Yes. You physically eat what bananas, um, what, do, what, what is it that you actually like to like take from the table that is actually solid foods? Yeah, sometimes I take watermelon, uh, bananas, but just close to halfway. Okay. But before then... Just uh, protein shake. Protein shake, because I just try to make it thick. Mm. I know they'll say, put two scoops in 500 meals, I'll put like five <laughs> to make it thick. Okay. So cool. it'll be like food and drink. So that'll be your solid. Yeah. Because that, that's yeah. the tricky part, right? I mean, for someone that's running at five minutes, okay, five minutes, 45, yeah, you can eat a sandwich. When you're yes. running at... 340. It's not easy. To <laughs> it's so hard to eat. Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. So, so that's why I try to eat closer to the halfway because when you're competing, after halfway, the pace slows down, you know, but before then, the pace is 100%, fast. Yeah. You, you can't really eat, especially when you're competing in front. The guys are running like 315, 320 a K, even on Comrades Day, it's, it's, it's hectic mm. and you want to try to survive to be there. The race is in that front pack. Yeah. If you're not there, you're not in the race. So you're gonna try to and, survive until halfway. And and speaking of that front pack, this year we're gonna we're gonna see in Kosikona in that front pack. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's in good shape. Uh, he's a man to watch this year. He's one of the favorites. I think he has really proved that. Yeah, he's he, he can do it. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you you you'll be right in front this year. That's very exciting. What what comrades would this be for him? How many comrades has he done? Uh, this is his second one. Okay. So last, uh, last, uh, the last comrades was his first one when he came eleven. Everyone knows the story. <laughs> I mean, crawling and he lost the gold. So I think this time he, he knows he got it. He knows he can do it. Uh, he knows exactly what went wrong as much as I will be there to advise him. But he knows he got it, which is very important for him. Uh, he's, he's got that confidence. Right so uh, I believe he, he can do it. As much as we can't say uh, what position or he's going to win, his target is to get the gold, whether it's number 9 or 11, sorry, number 9, 10. <laughs> hey, you stuck on eight, this 11, sorry, eh? get it out. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, we want him in, in, the, in the first 10. So that's the goal. If he wins, the bonus. Yeah, but we want him <laughs> in the bonus. first 10. That's amazing. I yeah. think after comrades, we must get both you and Kosi Kona on the, on, on the podcast and, and yes. break down the, yes. the athlete coach mentality. Cause this is going to be me and Davey on comrades yeah. day. <laughs> Davey's got the talent. He's got, he's, he's a head. Yeah. I like to think I've got the wise head. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to 
crash and, yeah. and start camping <laughs> and he's going to come trotting past Baby's going to be crawling. Sure. <laughs> so um, before the episode, um, we obviously did some advertising on Instagram and we had a, quite a few people ask the same question. That question was, obviously you're an inspiration to quite a lot of people in the running community, but who inspires you or what inspires you? My role model used to be Helga Priscilla's, but he is retired now. Okay. Yes, I used to look up to him. And why is that? I mean, uh, his character, his attitude, I realized that it's not only about winning, but uh, outside the field, the way you carry yourself as an athlete, it's very important for me. So Helke Priscilas has got that. I mean, you could meet him on the road and you never know he's a champion. Yes. And there's the man that has broke uh, over 15 world records, but you couldn't tell. So, yeah, uh, he's a man that I used to look up to him. Well, I mean, I, I, can, I can tell that you look up to him because when we were trying to get you onto this episode, I, I was like, okay, this is going to be quite tough. This is a very elite athlete, very, very popular in South Africa. And you were just so willing to be here. And we really do appreciate it. And I think that's what's so important about role models, especially, you know, in South Africa where people do look up to runners quite a bit is, is you're very accessible to the public. And I, I think there are a lot of people that look up to you for the right reasons. So we, we're just very grateful to have an athlete, you know, especially in Durban yeah. that we can all look up to and, and try and chase on that field. Yeah. yeah. I just want to leave it off with if, if prodigal had a couple, had, had three top tips for anyone listening to the podcast that uh, is running perhaps their first comrades or is looking to, to break a comrades PB or any ultra marathon there. Uh, what would be your, your three tips for these, these individuals? Yeah, well, it's easy. As I say, that running, it's quite logical. Don't complicate. Um, listen to your body. If you feel that there's something not right, I mean, just walk, uh, take a breather and run again. You know, I know most people, they promise their colleagues at work, their friends, their family, yeah. that I'm going to do this. But your body can only do so much. And it's very important that you must come first. You're the one who's be running. So, yeah, take it easy. Enjoy. And uh, don't be hard on yourself. At the end of the day, it's a game. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Prodigal, thank you so much for coming on thank today. Thank you, Prodigal. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All the best for Comrades 2022. We look forward to seeing another gold medal finish. Thank you so much. All the best to you. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. If you enjoy this podcast, you can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Music. And don't forget to go give us a follow on Instagram at Making a Runner to follow the journey of our guests and our podcast and catch up on the latest news. Bye for now. Cheers, guys. Once again, guys, this episode wouldn't have been made possible without the support from On The Move by 4Bros. On Running believe that their cloud tech soul is the key to unlocking your running potential. The multi-directional cushioning system active during landing reacts to your unique movements and is designed to be the perfect balance between cushion landings and explosive takeoffs, providing a unique running experience. Having run in a range of these shoes, I can testify to this feeling. But don't just listen to me, try it for yourself. I really encourage you to pop into one of their stores and chat to their friendly and knowledgeable staff where you can expect to find your favorite on-running shoes and apparel. Alternatively, make sure to check them out online at onthemovestore.com. We're excited to be associated with such a forward-thinking and inventive brand and look forward to bringing you more insightful conversations in episodes to come.